Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> oh, I am so happy to join with you. I am finishing up my spiritual counseling training intensive, and we're in the um, Hudson Valley, Hudson River Valley, New York area, and uh, at the edge of the Catskills in Ellenville, New York. And uh, today we start the teacher training as well, how to lead and create a workshop. So I've been very blessed to be immersed in this experience of sharing and teaching and learning with such beautiful folks, beautiful, beautiful people, and such courageous people as well. And it's it's one of the great blessings of my life to train spiritual counselors and teachers and people who are inspired to be truly helpful. It, I, I'm sure you can imagine how wonderful a gift it is for me to be able to support people in living their passion, in living their dream, in living their destiny. And so I'm very, very grateful for this wonderful opportunity that I've been given Yeah, so I'm basking in that and in this beautiful place we're in, and uh, the leaves are turning. It's gorgeous. It's stunning, and I'm very, very blessed. So speaking of blessed, let's start with a blessing as we always do. I take that deep breath of love and gratitude and place my hand on my heart, so grateful and thankful for this opportunity that we've given ourselves to join together to rise above the battlefield to recognize our unity and the unity of all life so grateful and thankful for this holiness that's being revealed this holiness that is our true identity and we come together to remember that wholeness and that holiness, we come together to remember to love, to remember to be truly helpful. So we're grateful and thankful to share the benefits of that recognition and remembering with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And our topic this week is when we intentionally make ourselves feel bad, when we intentionally make ourselves feel bad, it may seem odd to say it, but I think we all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> At least I think you do. And I sure do. So this was a pattern in my life that I would actually feel the ego reactions, not recognizing that they were not my own responses, but that they were ego reactions based on ego identification. And not realizing that, I would begin to fan the flames of that fire of reaction, that intensity And I remember that my intuition was operating. I was getting to recognize or hear, you could say, or perceive that still small voice of the higher Holy Spirit self. I would recognize, yes, there's a voice for God that is speaking to me, but I didn't want to hear it. And that voice, if you want to call it that, it was really thoughts appearing in my mind, feelings I would have that would let me know, hey, you don't have to get upset. Getting upset is optional. Hey, you don't have to make this worse. 
you can back away. You can put your weapons down, back away from your weapon. You can actually make loving choices. And I remember saying internally, but I don't want to. I want to attack. Get off of me. I'm doing this. And I would fan the flames of my upset, stoking that fire until I was really upset. And then I just keep it going and keep it going and keep it going and run it over and over and over in my mind of what was wrong and what was bad and who was responsible and who's to blame and who's going to be punished and how it's all going to go. I was thinking those thoughts again and again and again and causing this great suffering. You know, you've heard me say it before. Spiritual practice saves time. So I don't do that anymore. If I feel the pull in that direction, I go the other way. And that saves a lot of time that would be spent in being upset and being hurt and being afraid and being worried and being jealous and feeling uh, offended. All these different things that I used to just run through on a regular basis. Now I don't have to, and I'm so grateful for that. So what I came to see is that out of love for myself, I, I would stop myself for, from doing that. Out of love for myself, I would be kind, and I would take a page out of Thich Nhat Hanh's book, and say, ah, darling, sweetheart, I, we don't have to be upset. That uh, Being upset is a choice. You can notice what's going on, and you can choose happiness. You can choose not to be offended. You can choose not to be hurt. You can choose not to be sad. You can choose not to be angry. There is a choice here. But for so long, even though I could see the choice, I didn't want to make that choice. I did not wish to go the other way. I, I, I liked being upset. I felt this righteous anger and hurt. And then I could use it to pummel people with and... and punish them with and there I thought was my power because I didn't realize that I had any other power that was the power I had the power to punish the power to hurt the power to fight back and strike back now sometimes I I can tell you uh, the sensitivity level that I've come to I really not all the time, for sure. Sometimes I get, I still get triggered, and I, I feel that ire running up in me, the fire running up in me, and I want to defend or attack, I, and then I come to my senses. But sometimes, because I'm uh, very much, I was raised by political, social, civil activists for change, for helping the poor and ending racial discrimination and things like that, that that was a through line in my family growing up, that we are activists, we work for positive change, and we work for a more loving world. I am, I follow certain uh, things in the world, political, cultural, social things in the world. And I like to contribute to them and participate in them and let my voice be heard, as we say. And I also feel it part of my civic, spiritual, social, cultural, um, human duty and responsibility that to go 
on um, public demonstrations and things like that for causes I believe in, and to hold the peace, to be a peaceful presence, to dial back the anger, and to speak for the benefits of extending love and compassion. So I, I do that on a somewhat regular basis. So I get emails and text messages and things like that from political organizations that I donate to and support. And sometimes there will be an email that says, or a text message that says, are you mad about this? And I, I sometimes I'll write back and say, no, I'm not mad about it, but I would like for it to change. And I'm willing to work for that change. Sometimes I'll get a message that says, uh, we have to fight this. And I say, I am with you in working to change it, but I don't want to fight it. That does, that's not the energetic that I feel is useful because, as it talks about in A Course of Miracles, and certainly Gandhi talked about it, King talked about it, the ends is in the means. The ends is in the means. So we know that as spiritual students, that the end is in the means. You can't get to more peace, more love, and more joy through violence. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So I don't want to fight for things, but I would like to work for things. And I will message people back and say, I am so willing to work for this, but I am not willing to fight for it because I don't want to fight So how did I get there? Well, I talk with many people of different political, social, whatever, all kinds of persuasions. And um, some people get really angry by things that are going on in the world politically and socially and culturally and things like that. Totally understand that. And... Course in Miracles teaches us seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. And so we can forget that sometimes. We, we start trying to change the world instead of changing our mind about it. And I have learned the power of really working at the level of the mind. So I don't mind taking action in the world of form, but that's not my first stop. I wait until I feel guided and directed to take that action, and that really works for me. So I talk with many people who are upset about situations they see in the world. Some people are devastated by them. Some people are angry. Some people feel that's the cause of their depression. And I understand all of that. And to me, that is fanning the flames. So... That is a part of this through line that we're talking about here when we intentionally make ourselves feel bad. We feel upset or bothered by something, and instead of doing the inner work to release it to the Holy Spirit, as Course of Miracles students do, and to call upon the angels and the company of heaven to assist, instead of working in our mind to know what the truth is and to see it correctly, We take that incorrect perception, uh, which is upsetting us. Remember, we're never upset for the reason we think, right? Those early lessons are so helpful. I've given everything I see, all the meaning that it has for me, and I'm never upset for the reason I think. Those two together are so helpful, so powerful. So... When we're feeling bad, it's so self-loving and healing and nourishing and transformative to the world, not just ourselves. When we feel upset, if we can, turn within and say, what's really going on here? If I've given everything in the world the meaning that it has for me, am I upset because of what's going on in the world Or am I upset because of how I'm holding it in my mind? And that's what I see. Many of us are holding these things in our mind, that it's not good, that it's bad, that all bad things are going to come of it. 
here at the spiritual counseling training, one of the patterns of intentionally making ourselves feel bad that came up during the training is that I've worked with many parents uh, who have worries and concerns about their children. Could be adult children, could be small children, but they have worries and concerns about their children and they're energizing that, holding on to it and feeding the fan, feeding the flames of that upset of something wrong, something bad, not good, and the fear, doubt, and worry escalate as they have to when we feed those flames like that. They just have to escalate. The pain that we are feeling has to escalate when we're energizing that it's bad, it's wrong, it's not good especially when it comes to our children. Now, I don't have children, but uh, what I've seen is this pattern is very strong that parents worry. And worry is the negative use of our imagination. And when we're worried, we're energizing less good things. And that's not helpful. It's Not unlike, imagine if your child was right there in front of you and you just said, I'm worried that you don't have what it takes. I'm worried that you're never going to make it. I'm worried that you're addicted to these drugs. I'm worried that you're going to die from this addiction to these drugs. I'm worried that you're going to fail again. I'm worried that your failures are going to ruin your life. I'm worried that you are ruining your life by marrying that person. I'm worried that, and on and on and on, the worry, the worry, the worry, the fear. And you wouldn't say those things most likely directly to your children, but because we share the one mind, they of course know that you're thinking them. And they are impacted by it. Just like you would be if someone was walking with you all day long going, you're not good enough. Oh, they're going to realize that you're an idiot. Oh, you don't have what it takes for that. You're not smart enough for that. You're not enough to do any of these things. You're going to get found out. Oh, my gosh. You don't have what it takes. And on and on and on. And we, many people do walk with someone talking to them like that all day long. And it's themselves. So it's folly to think that we're not deeply impacted by that. Uh, the, The toll is immense. And that's why I say that prayer at the end of chapter 5 that says, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. And then later says, I can give the Holy Spirit all the, the rather the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. That we can actually give all the consequences of our wrong decision to energize the negative, to energize the complaints and the worries and the fears. Give it to the Holy Spirit to undo. And then make that really strong commitment to no longer do that. Uh, I was asked in the intensive uh, training for the spiritual counselors, how do you really effectively interrupt these negative patterns of attacking ourselves and making ourselves feel worse and and holding these imaginings of people failing and and the the causes of our worry and our despair how do we interrupt these patterns and i said well first of all every day early in the day first thing in the day energize your intentions for the day it's that part about decide what kind of day you'd like to have Well, today's a day where I will notice when I am feeling upset or bothered just a little bit, and I will hand it to the Holy Spirit. Today's the day where I'm going to interrupt the patterns of worry, fear, doubt, and negativity. 
today's the kind of day where I'm going to partner up with that Holy Spirit and stay partnered up. And if I fall out of that partnership, I'm going to partner up again. I'm going to go back and go back. I'm going to notice when I don't feel good and I don't feel right and I'm starting to energize separation. I'm going to notice that today. Spirit, please make it so. Angels, please walk with me and talk with me so that I don't lose sight of it. That's what I do, and it works. (laughs) And so how do you remember to do that? Well, it's not unlike how do you remember to put shoes on? How do you remember to brush your teeth? How do you remember to take a shower or a bath? How do you remember to get your clothes washed? How do you remember to put on clean underwear? How do you remember these things? And some people might be thinking, yeah, I have some trouble with those. (laughs) But how you remember is you notice how you feel. You notice how you feel. It's not the only way to remember, but it's one. A lot of days I like to take two showers, one at night and one in the morning, because I like to feel refreshed by it in the morning, and I like to go to bed clean a lot of the time. And so wash the day off me. And uh, considering sleep a, a sacred time, a time of real rest. And so I'd like to wash the dust and grit of the journey off of me. And I like that sense of renewal and restoration. It's also a really great way to hydrate, by the way, because your water, the water is absorbed through your skin. It's one of the great ways you can hydrate. If you ever need to hydrate in an emergency or dehydrated, just get in a bathtub right away. Just get right into a bathtub, soak in that bathtub, And drink a glass of water while you're in there. (laughs) It's the quickest way to hydrate because your skin is absorbing the water and your skin is actually connected to your digestive system. It reflects your digestive system. Anyway, enough of that. Um, So how do you remember things like this? Well, another way that we remember is how do you remember if you accidentally poked yourself with a stick and you're bleeding, how do you remember not to do that again? Well, it's important to you. (laughs) If you fall down the stairs accidentally because you weren't paying attention, how do you remember not to do that again? You pay attention. How do you remember to brush your teeth? It's important to you. You like the way it feels. How do you remember to stop fanning the flames of your upset and how do you remember to interrupt the patterns of upset it's because it's important to you that's how you remember because it's valuable and it's always going to be that way one of the examples I used at the intensive was I said if you've decided you're going to buy a new sofa how do you remember to shop for the sofa Well, it's easy. It's important to you. You're excited about getting the new sofa. You'd like to have the new sofa. So you remember because it's part of your value system in that moment in time that this is important. So that's how we remember to stop fanning the flames of upset and to interrupt the pattern of self-abuse. Because let's just call it what it is. It's self-abuse. It's self-attack. Fanning the flames of upset in ourselves or others is attack. And so if we're going to be attacking ourselves, then we're also going to be defending ourselves. And it it is a very time-consuming way to spend our lives. And we can really transform that beautifully 
just beautifully transform it. This is what Masterful Living and Finding Freedom are all about, my classes, is transforming these habits that bring so much suffering and pain and using the mind that was so diligently creating them to create, or rather to to make them and to really make something wonderful, to create something beautiful and and wholesome and harmonious. And that's what we can do when we put our mind to it. So let's do it. (laughs) Yep, I used to intentionally make myself upset for all manner of things because then I could punish people with my upset and I could punish myself. So I've got a bunch more to share about this and I'll share some Course of Miracles quotes as well. And it's already time for me to take a break. What? How does that happen? Oh, my gosh. Well, I am Jennifer Hadley, and I am so grateful to be sharing these beautiful teachings of A Course in Miracles that I love so much. And you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're living the love. We're walking the talk. And I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. (laughs) So, talking about when we fan the flames of our upset and we torture ourselves, make ourselves feel bad intentionally, and there are many different ways to do it besides just fanning the flames of our upset. So many people are familiar with various kinds of self-abuse that people participate in. So some people cut themselves, um, people flagellate themselves, they whip themselves, they hurt themselves. They do all kinds of things intentionally. And there are varied reasons for it. Uh, one reason is specialness. To If you can't be especially good, you may go for especially bad. It's a time-honored tradition that the people who are especially bad get lots of attention for it, and at least they're still special. So that specialness is sought out by the ego. If I can't be especially good, I'll be especially bad. I know a friend of mine once was saying that when she started her own company, and as it grew and grew and got to be many more employees, but she was still small enough that she could track the finances and write all the checks herself, she noticed that things, weird things would happen. Like, for instance, an executive... Uh, passed away, and uh, so after that, a month or two after that, they got a bill from a florist for flowers sent to the widow, an expensive flower arrangement, which would be completely normal to do, to send an expensive flower arrangement to the funeral or to the widow, uh, or widower, who, who you know, and uh, yet they had sent flowers and they had paid for them. This was a bogus invoice that they got for flowers that were never sent. And the idea, my friend realized, was, oh, most companies would just assume, oh, this is a legitimate expense, we'll pay for it, right? Because it seems normal, for sure. Now, the reason I bring that up is because we were marveling at the ways that people will go to such great lengths to think of very clever schemes to rip people off, to steal from them, to uh, cheat them 
out of money or goods, but they won't just keep it straight and earn money that way and feel good about it. And it's not because they are evil or bad. It's because they think they are. So they're enacting it out. I've given everything the meaning that it has for me. So this is what we do is we look for confirmation of our beliefs. If our belief is that we are bad and wrong, we're going to look for confirmation of it. And even the confirmation of it can upset us, even though we're looking for it. That's how crazy and duplicitous and nonsensical the ego thought system is. That it upsets us so deeply, it frightens us so completely to think that we're bad or evil or wrong or unlovable. And yet we consistently might, or people might consistently go looking for proof of it. Why? Because it confirms their worldview that they made up. So these are the kinds of things that the ego does in various ways that the ego thought system is designed to lead us down a path of a self-attack. And so one of the reasons why self-love is so healing is because you can't self-love and self-attack at the same time. You have to make a choice. And love is the healer because love is the truth of our identity. So when we're being loving, when we're either giving or receiving love, then that's healing to us. It's restorative to us because it's restoring us to our true identity. So we're remembering to give up this idea that we should be punished. And many people are quite caught up in the self-attack, self-flagellation in all of these ways of intentionally making ourselves feel bad. And we can say it's all unconscious. But I just have to say, from my own personal experience, yes, there are things that we do unconsciously, and there are things that we do consciously. Of course, the miracles will tell us that there's no such thing as unconscious. Because our mind is the mind of God, it doesn't sleep. The mind of God never sleeps. The mind never, ever sleeps. And... I I don't know who first said it. Of course, it doesn't matter. But I remember the first time I heard somebody say, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Sounds like a Stephen Covey kind of a thing. And I've learned that there's a lot of truth to that. And so when I think, oh, that's not important. I don't need to take care of myself in that way. Then I can stop and say, oh, yes, I do, because the way I do anything is the way I do everything. And for instance, uh, in our Masterful Living classes, we've been talking about the worthiness workshop and the worthiness worksheet that I did and I talked about a few weeks ago. And oh my gosh, that all of that was so productive, so productive. I'm so glad that I followed spirit and and did that. Oh my gosh. Uh, More to come on that. But some of the things we, we realized that weren't in that worksheet that are things that we also do uh, that are related, very much related to intentionally making ourselves feel bad. So one of them was not charging enough for our services. Right. Uh, and being uh, either underemployed or underpaid. These are ways that we do create an environment that doesn't feel good or loving or supportive to us. Uh, Another one is ways that we intentionally make ourselves feel 
stupid or make ourselves feel kind of resigned or certainly not happy and not joyful is being in relationship with people that we don't really want to be in relationship with. I hear many stories from people who tell me that they dated someone for a length of time because they just didn't know how to get out of it. They didn't want to hurt the other person's feelings. So if you're not enjoying the relationship, right, or if I'm not enjoying the relationship, and I'm continuing to date this person, to sleep with this person, and I'm not enjoying the relationship, it doesn't feel good to me. Isn't that a way of intentionally making ourselves feel bad? It feels like it to me. And we're doing it because we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Well, doesn't that make us also put us in some kind of grandiose position that we're so special that if we say to that person, you know, I like you, I appreciate you, but I don't think this is a match. So I'm going to free you up. You can find someone who thinks you're fabulous and I'm going to do the same. And I'm so glad to have met you and maybe we can be friends. And, um, but, uh, I think we've, we're not really a match here. Uh, if, but if we think we're so darn special, that worsens person's world is going to come apart. If we don't want to date them, even when we just started dating them, uh, you can see how specialness plays a role in that. Here's another one. Not We're feeling unworthy of taking other people's time. And, and here's an example of it. Not wanting to keep them waiting. Not even wanting to keep them waiting while we're crossing the street. So we run across the street so they don't have to wait for us. We are rushing. You know, I think one of the, the habits that a lot of people have is they're rushing all the time. And when I first started to practice nonviolence back in the 90s and started to write my daily inspiration back then, I was writing a lot about all the realizations I was having about the violent energy of the way I was doing certain things. And this is very much related to ways we intentionally make ourselves feel bad. So, for instance, if I'm rushing, I'm not giving myself enough time and now I'm having to rush. That's not self-loving. And that is actually intentionally making myself feel uncomfortable. I realized for me that putting myself in that position of having to rush and being afraid of being late... It's not loving. It's unkind. I wouldn't do it to my loved one. I wouldn't say, hey, I'm going to keep you waiting here for a minute or two, five minutes, ten minutes, so that we'll be late. And you'll feel uncomfortable all the way there and when we get there. And why am I doing that to you? Because it's my goal to intentionally make you feel bad. And this is how I'm going to do it today. I love you. <laughs> no, that would be nutty, right? So, but people have these kinds of uh, habits and don't even realize that they're using them to intentionally make themselves feel bad, feel inadequate, and feel bothered. Yeah. So, people, another way that people intentionally make themselves feel bad is they don't speak up. They don't speak up and then they, they don't, they're grumbling, they're resentful, they're regretful. So they'd like to ask for help. Hey, would you help me clean up this kitchen and take out the trash? Uh, no, no, we're going to let everybody else relax and I'll do it. And nobody's offering to help. Why? Because they know I'll do it. And then I'm regret, re resentful. And regretting, well, why, why didn't I ask them for help? Well, now it's too late. I should just do it. Look how comfortable they are. All these different things, these machinations, these ego machinations 
that we go through. Here's another way that we intentionally make ourselves feel bad that's related to unworthiness. And I used to have this, expecting to be disappointed. So uh, we're coming into the holidays here. And as I've said a number of times, my birthday is near Thanksgiving this year. It's on Thanksgiving. And I have a number of memories of ruining Thanksgiving dinner, even at my own house when I cooked it my own self, because I would go into the holiday expecting to be disappointed. And of course my expectations would be met. Why? Because I was insistent upon it. I would make sure I would be disappointed. I needed to be right about how wrong everybody was. And and it was just an expression of my own sense of unworthiness, but I didn't know that. But I was definitely, intentionally, making myself feel bad through these expectations, expecting to be disappointed Expect, you know, people have it all the time in different ways, expecting to be ignored, expecting to be disregarded, expecting to be insulted, expecting to all these different ways. Often expectations are just a recipe for disappointment and it can be quite painful, quite painful. Yes, absolutely. And remember, it's not just having this expectation of being upset. It's fanning the flames of it. It's looking for the evidence. It's the hunting for the proof. That's the thing that is really the self-punishment. I had no idea how unkind I was being to myself. It was there in the back of my mind. It was in my awareness that I had choices. I didn't have to do that. But I felt compelled to do it. And I did this kind of thing on a daily basis, upsetting myself, fanning the flames of the upset, and looking for things to be upset. Why? Because I was just upset. I was so upset. And why was I so upset? Because I was so convinced that I was unlovable. So I was just looking for provocation all the time to blow off some of that upset and direct it outwards at other people and blame them for it. And also every time that people would do things that I could use to fan the flames of my upset, I would feel right and I would feel righteous. And that is something that the ego is constantly looking for, constantly Yep. You know, another way that we, we're all familiar with that we intentionally make ourselves feel bad is through the, the worry and the fear that I talked about earlier. And so the thing about worry and fear is it does take up a huge amount of energy and a huge amount of time. And it is always, and I do mean always, related to our judgments. There can be no fear without judgments because judgments are always false beliefs. And there can be no fear without false beliefs. So that's why some people wisely use that acronym of fear, F-E-A-R, standing for false evidence appearing real. So when we're afraid, we can learn to love ourselves and turn the tide by saying, hey, wait a minute, if I'm feeling afraid, I must be believing something that's not true. False evidence appearing real. Well, I'm not interested in false evidence and appearances. I'm interested in the truth that sets me free. I'm interested in being the love of my life and living a life of profound love. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You know, another way we intentionally make ourselves feel bad is we set up tests for others to pass. And then they don't pass them, they fail them. 
they don't know they're taking a test, right? But if he doesn't or she doesn't, whatever, it means they don't love me. Things like that. We do stuff like that, and then there it is, right there, crystal clear. They don't really love me. Why? Because I'm unlovable. There's the proof. And then we spin that into that little thread into a whole big blanket and we smother ourselves with it, right? And we light ourselves on fire. Ah. You know, uh, another way that people intentionally make themselves feel bad, and I used to do this, is to really move into that space of feeling helpless and hopeless. And nothing could counteract that. I was doomed. Doomed, I tell you. I was doomed. Well, thinking about that, contemplating that, helpless, hopeless, doomed, that I'm unfixable, I'll never recover because I'm inherently bad, that's very upsetting. That's very upsetting. So I'd go down that road, fanning the flames of that, and feel horrible. And then it was inevitable that I would jump into some kind of self-medication or self-destructive behavior that would make me feel even worse. Why? Because it would also prove just how bad I was. Okay, I'm bad, but at least I know I'm bad. At least I've got my wits about me. I'm not deluding myself that I am worthwhile or I am good. These are some of these thought patterns that we torture ourselves with. So the way to heal them is all through love, self-love. It's, it's helpful to love other people, but we have to make sure it's unconditional love with no attachments. And loving ourselves. I find little ways to love ourselves. Uh, they add up through the course of a day and a lifetime. So little ways that we love ourselves is we stop the rushing. We stop it. Like I, I remember when my mom was sick in her final months of life and we were up in the house in Maine and I one day I was taking uh, just a lie down in the room next to my mom where my mom was and I wasn't sleeping but I was just taking a lie down. My mom was having a nap so I was just taking a lie down too. And um, my dad was doing stuff in the house, and he was very anxious and worried, of course. is The love of his life was appearing to be dying. And so the house is a lot of wood and glass. And so he was kind of stomping around. You know, he was just heavy-footed. And I could feel, with every step, his anxiety and his grief and his upset. And hearing that, I realized, oh, how you walk is really important to pay attention to. And so I I made a decision then that even if I'm upset, even if I'm afraid or worried, even if I feel I need to hurry, I'm going to walk softly not carrying a stick, just walking softly because it's more peaceful. So ways to have life be more peaceful are so helpful. I'm going to, for me, I know I really do well if I have a substantial breakfast and a nice, good, substantial lunch and a small dinner. That really works for me. So that's what I do almost always. I know I do better with eating dinner earlier rather than later, so that's what I usually do. And I know that I do better when I get a good night's sleep, so I need to make sure I have enough hours to do that and not stay up too late. So that's what I I work on, is all these little ways of loving myself. I know that I, I, it's not a pull anymore, but it used to be a pull to sit and watch TV for hours and hours. And I, I knew that was not energizing to me. That was not loving to me. 
and that I would feel bad afterwards. So I stopped doing it because I didn't want to feel bad afterwards. And so it's finding, making a list, being willing to write it down and make a list of the things that you do that make you, make you feel unworthy and bad and wrong or just make your stomach not feel good or your body not feel good, you, whatever it is that doesn't feel good to you, make a list of them. This is where awareness is curative. So pay attention to the things that you do that don't support you living a joyful life, whatever it might be. For instance, when I lived in L.A., I, there were different ways to get down to Santa Monica. I like to take the most beautiful route, the most scenic route. Yeah, might take five or ten minutes longer, but it was beautiful, and I liked seeing the beauty. It felt nourishing to me. So uh, here at the resort, it's, it's a bit longer a way around. might take an extra 60 seconds, but I can walk through the beautiful area where the fountain is. So I'm taking that route to our meeting room because it nourishes me. I get to see the beauty instead of the parking lot. So little choices like that, they add up and we create new habits as a result of it. It's magnificent. This is why my Masterful Living course is a year long, is over the course of the year, we can make lots and lots of small refinements that add up to a life change. And I really like that about spiritual practice, is finding ways to do that, to really make life beautiful. Speaking of making life beautiful, thank you to all the people who donate appreciate this radio broadcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it makes such a difference because it makes it possible. We're now putting all the shows up at YouTube. We're uh, really getting complete with getting all the transcripts done. And that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for contributing to all of that. It's time for me to pray. I'm so grateful and so thankful that we're letting go of the habits of making ourselves feel bad. We're partnering up with the Holy Spirit and sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.